Amen. Well, let's just welcome Brendan as he brings the words tonight. Good evening. How we doing? That's good. Yeah, that's also good. Just been watching the cricket. It's about time Australia's been doing well, hey. Uh, I am so impressed at the moment. I don't know what the score was now. Is it, it, it done? Well, we won. No way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you that you're here and you just want to do something, God. Would you have your way? Father, we just want to get out of the way and, and let your will be done tonight. So would you come and speak and just do away with my own thoughts and agenda and, and all of that sort of stuff, Lord. Let it just be all about you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight's scripture is coming from 1 Kings 13. And what, what's going on, a bit of background for you, the, the nation of Israel has actually been split into two nations. The first one is Judah, uh, with its capital being Jerusalem at the time, and, and that's being run by the son of Solomon. He's the king at the moment, Re- Rehoboam, I think that's right. So that's just Judah. And then the rest of Israel is run by a guy named Jeroboam. Now, the Bible describes Jeroboam as completely against God. This guy is like into pagan worship. He set up pagan worship, pagan idols and, and altars and all sorts of stuff all over Israel. In fact, he created two gold, gold calves. He put one at Bethel and one at Dan, right across the, the span of his kingdom. And, and when he created them, he actually said to the, the nation of Israel... These are the gods that got you out of Egypt. These are the gods that got you through the wilderness. These are the gods that got you here. And, and, and it's just, as you know, in, in the wilderness, they created a gold calf and, and worshipped that at a moment. And, and so he's just pulled this out and gone, these are the gods that got you out of, out of Egypt. And so Jeroboam is completely not into God. He's just against it. And so what he's doing at this time um, in chapter 12 is he creates this pagan religious festival holiday type day. It's like a day off for no reason, like Queen's birthday. We just get a day off. So he creates the, like, the Queen's birthday, but for pagans. And, and he's on his way to Bethel to burn incense at the altar. This is where it gets cool. There's this man of God who was sent from Judah. Now, Judah's the only area of, of Jerusalem of Israel at the time that was still worshipping God, that still had God as, as their main God and, and focus on Him. And this man of God rocks up at Bethel. And in verse 2, he says, Then at the Lord's command, he shouted, this is the man of God, O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense, and human bones will be burned on you. Next. Sweet. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart, and its ashes will be poured out on the ground, and 
at this moment, Jeroboam cries out and, and reaches his hand and points at him and goes, seize that man. And as he cries that out, his hand becomes paralyzed in that shape. And so he can move the rest of his arm, but his hand is, is paralyzed. And recognizing that there was a move of God going on, because at that very moment that his hand was paralyzed, the altar split apart and its ashes began to pour out onto the ground. So Jeroboam at, the, at this time is completely frightened of what's going on and he cries out to the man of God, pray to your God for me so he will restore my hand. So the man of God prays and he can move his hand again. Now isn't that cool that even the most vile man at the time, the one who was driving so much pagan worship, so much things against God, God still came and performed a miracle over his life. He still received a touch of God. That's so cool that you could be going completely the opposite way to God, but he still loves you so much that he just wants to pour out a blessing upon you anyway. So what, what the Jeroboam turns around and, and he obviously understands something's going on and he says to the man of God, Come back to my palace, and, and I'll give you something to eat, and I'll give you a gift. We're up to verse 7 and 9. Then the king said to the man of God, come to the palace with me, and, but the man of God, and have something to eat, and I'll give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. For the Lord gave me this command, you must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. I found that so interesting, um, being Christmas time, um, the wise men were also told, don't return the same way, don't go back the same way, obviously for fear of, of death and and what was coming in, in, the, in that moment. But straight after the, the, uh, the man of God speaks this out to Jeroboam, he just takes off and he goes home and he heads a different direction and does what, what God has told him to do. But at this time, there were a couple of guys around and um, they, they were talking and, and watched what had just unfolded before their eyes and they ran back to their house now, their dad was also a prophet, and so they got back to their house, and they're like, Dad, Dad, you should have seen what just happened. This guy just, like, froze someone's hand, and the altar split, and ash went everywhere, and it was a real move of God. It was awesome. And the, the prophet replies with, saddle the donkey. Which way did he go? And chases after him. And the Bible says that the old man, the old prophet, finds the man of God resting under a great tree, a great tree. He's resting under a great tree. See, sometimes when we do something for God, we need to rest. And there was a reason why he, hadn't, he had been told not to eat or drink anything from the, the pagan place, from the, the place that was worshiping another God. And that was because God knew that, that he provided the perfect food. He provided bread of life and, and living water. See, in that moment under the tree, the man of God was resting, but he was also eating. 
and he was drinking and he was reconnecting with God. He was coming back to the source and he was meeting with God again to refill, to energize for the journey home. And the old prophet, he says to him, uh, is this true what you did? Yes, yes. Okay, well, come back to my place and eat something with me. Come back and, and have something to drink at my house. And the man of God responds with, no, God has told me not to eat or drink anything here. And the old man, desperate for this young prophet to come back to his home, lies to him and says, God has spoken to me and told me to tell you to come home to my place. God has told you, told me to bring you home so you can eat and drink something. Now, the man of God had just been partaking of the only food and water he'd ever need when temptation came and, and a word drew him away from that source. And so the, the man of God returns with the old prophet back into Bethel and into his home. And, and while they're eating, through the prophet, a word of God comes and, and it basically says, you're going to die and you're not going to be buried in your homeland. And so the man of God obviously freaked out and got up and left. And on the way home, he got mauled by a lion and he died because you don't really survive getting mauled by a lion. I, I don't know too many guys that have. But how many, how many times have you been sure that you've received a word of, from God for yourself only to have relied on what people around you have said? How many times have you gone to the source and, and received something only to rely on what man around you has said? See, I'm not, I'm not saying don't go to each other for, for wisdom and clarity. But what I am saying is that you are most responsible and you are the best person in the entire world to know what God is saying about you. That there is no one else in this world that can hear from God better about your life than what you can. The Bible says to work out your salvation, your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, so you're to come and you're to seek God yourself and and I, I do believe in, in testing and approving of what God has spoken to you. I'm not saying don't chat to each other and, and don't share wisdom in that. But see, this, this man of God was so sure that Jesus had spoken to him. He was positive that God had given him a word, but he relied on man around him and it ended up killing him. So often a, a word could come through and and it might be wrong. It might not be right. A person might bring a word over your life and might not get it 100% correct. But if we take those things and, and rely on them so heavily and so strongly, we end up in such a terrible place or, or dead. We're taken down a path that, that isn't made for us, that wasn't set for us. It's like if, if, if God... So if, if I came and gave Matt a word right now, Matt, believe God is saying to quit your job tomorrow. Would you go home and would you quit your job tomorrow or would you pray about it and seek God yourself? See, there are so many, you know, and, and God might be saying, 
for Matt to quit his job. The Word of God might very well be there, but, but you are responsible for your own salvation. You're responsible for hearing from God yourself. God uses people around us to speak into our lives, but ultimately it's up to us to go and test and approve of those things. See, Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not be conformed to what the world is saying and what the world is doing, but allow God to transform you, to renew you. Then you'll be able to know what He wants for you. Then you'll be able to know what's on your life. It's not then pastor will be able to know, uh, then, then your pastor will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Then you, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, we, and I've fallen into the trap too of relying on someone older, excuse me, wiser and, and, and closer to God to hear from, from God for me. And that's not a bad thing all the time. But there needs to be some testing and approving going on as well. There needs to be a time where you sit down yourself and, and seek God and, and ask Him, is this really what you have for me? Is this really what, what is on my life? It's like anything that's said from here. That's, that all should be tested and, and approved by you personally. Not everything that is said here or, or at any pulpit or, or anything is, you know, you, you need to test and approve those things because anything could come out. Man could get in the way and, and we're a faulted vessel. We don't mean to get it wrong. We don't mean to miss the mark. Sometimes it just happens. You know, God doesn't con- contradict himself. So if you are sure and positive that God told you not to eat and drink and go home a separate way, if you're positive, then there's not going to be another word that comes that contradicts that. God, is, God does not contradict himself. See, the, the only way, can we get that scripture back up, Romans 12 too, please? The only way to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the only way to understand what God's will is, the only way to know what God's voice is, the only way to hear God's voice and, and distinguish God's voice from any other voice in this world is by reading your Bible. This is what he says. This is what he sounds like. This is what he looks like. You read his voice to hear his voice. If you're so deep within the Word, so deep within God's Word, God's living, living and breathing Word, then you know what His voice is. You know what He's saying. You you can distinguish His voice to any other voice. You know, it's no coincidence that majority of the church worldwide don't read their voice, uh, read their Bible and don't hear God's voice. There's no coincidence there. If you want to know what God has for you, if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, start putting something into your mind. 
Start seeking God out. I want to encourage you tonight that you are perfectly placed to hear from God. Perfectly placed. That there, there is no second-rate Holy Spirit. There is just the one Holy Spirit. There is just the one God. And He speaks to every one of us. He shares with every one of us. There is something to be heard and something to be learnt from God ourselves. And, and yeah, it's great to seek older wisdom. And it's great to have mentors around that, that it, you know, empower you and, and instill values inside of you. But ultimately, if you're not seeking God yourself, you're just living out someone else's faith. You need to be seeking God, chasing after Him, learning what He's saying over you. Spending time in the Word, spending time in His presence, that quiet time alone. It doesn't have to be five minutes a day. It's a minute in the shower, a minute on the toilet. Like it's whenever you can, driving down the road. Any time is a good time. It's not like God hangs up the phone when you're on the toilet or in the shower or driving or whatever it is. It's not like he puts the phone down. It's, it, he's there all the time. Instead of playing face like Farmville or whatever else you're playing, um, Candy Crush, um, whatever you play, instead of playing those games, read your Bible. You're on your phone anyway. Like, there is time there to be spent. You know, I just really want to encourage you to chase after him. Don't end up like that, that man of God who had just done such a miraculous thing, who had just seen an, an altar tear down, torn down, only to lose his life. You are best placed to hear from God. You are best placed to seek out the future on your life from God. No matter the age, no matter the, the theological mind, no matter the, the it doesn't matter. You are perfectly placed. You are good enough. And when you're not good enough, he's good enough. So I really want to encourage you tonight. Seek God. Seek God with all you have. Chase after him. What is he doing in your life personally? Because when you start seeking Him and, and you, you start hearing from Him yourself, you start to see Him more in your life as well. When you understand what He's doing and, and, and where He's active, you start to see Him more and you see the little blessings and you see where He's active and you see what He's doing. But when we become distant from God and we stop seeking Him ourselves, that's when we get into this mentality of where is God? What is God doing? Seek Him. Seek Him. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All else will be given to you. Seek Him first. Father, I just thank You. Lord, I thank You that You're here with us. God, I thank You that, Lord, You speak to each and every one of us. God, that You are active in each and every one of our lives. Lord, we just want to be more aware of what you're saying. 
Lord, we're aware that you're constantly in communication with us. You're constantly speaking blessings over us and you're constantly telling us how much you love us. God, we want to be aware of that stuff. We want to hear that stuff. So Lord, would there be a hunger inside of us to chase after you? Would there be a hunger inside of us to spend more time with you? Lord, would there be a hunger inside of us to to hear your voice ourselves? To trust in you, God to know who you are and know your voice. Lord, would you come and bless these people tonight? Would you come and fill them with your Holy Spirit? I just want to leave you with that. Chase after God with all you have.